0: Welcome to Question Mark, the podcast, exploring the greatest story ever told with open minds and open hearts.
1: We we'll light it up, we won't come down, and the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show, where it's covered in all the colored lights, and the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show. Welcome
2: to Question Mark a rumbustious, no-holds-barred conversation about the self-proclaimed greatest story ever told, Mark's Gospel. My name's Stefan Smart. I'm a retired English and drama teacher come actor and storyteller. In the past few years, I have brought my solo word-for-word dramatization of the gospel, I Am Mark, to churches, cathedrals, conferences, prisons, and schools across the world, performing to sell-out audiences at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, and this year for a global TV network Cmax max TV. It's largely as a result of that fantastic experience that I've developed such a fascination for this tale and given its unique power it's not a surprise to me that so many others have been similarly enthralled. So my role is quite straightforward and really a lot of fun to facilitate discussion about an episode of the story with some brilliant and magnetic guests and to hear what they have to say. Importantly, you don't have to be religious or even famous to join in. Anyone, literally anyone, can be a guest on this show. Just let me know in the comments below or through my website www.iam-mark.com if you'd like to take part. Or if you've just got a comment or a question, something that has caught your attention, intrigued you or simply tickled your fancy, please feel free to enter that in too.
3: Hi hey Steph. Hi, Adam.
2: Welcome. I'm so pleased to see you again and to hear your voice. It's lovely to have you on the show. So, listeners, I better introduce Adam for you. Adam Kluwer is a well-respected and well-loved friend of mine who used to be one of my church leaders back in the day. He now lives in the U.S. Uh, in a church called uh, South Shore Community church, which is on South Shore in Boston, in Massachusetts, uh, and he's the senior leader there. And when I thought about this podcast, I thought to myself, who can I ask to do it with me? And Adam has always come across as this erudite and good communicator who also is very learned. Um, and he explains the Bible in a way that a lot of people can't get to, that can't reach that point where it's very clear, but also there's so much depth. So I'm hoping for the best, <laughs> not to put too much pressure on you, Adam, uh, for this podcast. It's great to have you with me. Um, can I ask you a little bit, to uh, if you can tell, uh, tell us who you are, a bit more detail there, and how you, how you know me, and uh, anything you like about yourself. And then maybe we can press again, press ahead, I should say, to... Uh, Today's episode,
3: yeah, of course. As Steph said, I I was closer to Steph's home, and I'm now some distance away. I grew up in the south of England, in Romsey, near Southampton, and I uh, met some people. was part of the church in Southampton for many years in my late teenage years, and then in my kind of early adulthood. And a few years ago, we felt to make a big move, and we've landed here in what is known as the New England States in the northeast of the USA, as, as Steph said, 20 miles south of Boston. Um, I'm married, I've got two daughters, and I like to go fishing on my, on my days off when it's warmer, because here we have winters that are, are different to the winters that I used to know in sunny southern England. So, uh, but it's nice to see a familiar face, and it's a pleasure to contribute whatever I can to this project. I love what Steph is doing. Uh, So here we are.
2: Yeah, thanks Adam. I forgot to say earlier, we used to be near neighbours, didn't we? You lived down the same street of all places.
3: We we did. We had a really happy home there and our children have very fond memories of playing in the park and walking our dog in the park and um, we like the fact that relationships don't have to end even though geographical locations often change shape so to connect in that's this. great
2: adam it's fantastic to see you as i say thank you so uh today we're going to be looking at jesus's baptism and his testing in the wilderness which we're talking about here mark chapter 1 verses 9 to 13 um and perhaps before we get to chatting about this adam it may be a good idea to listen to the passage as read by the delightful lucy warner
0: mark chapter 1 verses 9 to 13 new international version the baptism and testing of jesus at that time jesus came from nazareth in galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan just as jesus was coming up out of the water he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him.
2: Well, Adam, that's um, quite an amazing story, isn't it? I mean, as you look at that, what are your first thoughts? What are your first reflections? On what's going on there.
3: Uh, I think in some ways this passage is fitting of so much of Mark's gospel in that he says a lot with very few words. Uh, it's, it's almost as if he's in a hurry and people have commented many times that for Mark it's Passion Week was something of an extended introduction and some people talk of Peter's influence, Peter the disciple who was clearly wanting to get places and get things done and so I think in this text a lot of it is being said in very few words. Uh, wow. And I quite like the idea of slowing down and um, kind of plumbing the depths a little bit further in terms of what does this mean? What did this look like? What was the response? I like to imagine I don't want to read the Bible just as this historic text Sometimes I want to place myself in the story. What did this look like, sound like, smell like? Um, and how does that continue to, today? For me, it, it does. For me, as someone who believes in the in a story of Jesus and salvation made possible only through Him, I I'm intrigued by this not just because of its historical context, but because of how it yeah. comes to to echo and stir in us.
2: In us here. Yeah. How much do you think we need to know a little bit about the kind of background of this story? You know, the historical context of it to understand it. Adam? I mean, perhaps not just about Mark's gospel in general, but about this bit as well.
3: I think, and this is the brilliance of good writing, I think Mark's gospel is written that you don't have to have extensive knowledge and education to be able to receive it. So you can read it on plain value. Somebody who hasn't read the story so far, hasn't maybe attended church, or isn't convinced where they land and what they believe in, uh, it's accessible to that person. But I also think, and this is the skill of the author, there is some deliberate, not, not being vague, but for the person who wants to lean in more, uh, there is an invitation to to look further, to look deeper. And yeah. Think, oh, wait a minute. When, when, when they said this, so Mark's gospel that was originally written in, in the greek language um our english translations begin with you know on that day but the, the greek talk about and it, and it came to pass in that time there is this mm-hmm. coming to pass where there is this story so far in the old testament has been hanging and waiting on this moment where god would step in in, in, in person and god would be present and for much of the old testament they, they were waiting for something that they didn't see and many of us can connect with that experience that that we hope something's imminent, and sadly, uh, maybe it isn't. But in the original language, there is this sense of, and it came to pass in this day, what we've been waiting Mm. for, this long-awaited history for those that that are interested in the backstory. Mark is firmly placing that today is the day where what you've been waiting for is about to begin. That's brilliant. So you can read it plain text and it works or you can look at the story so far and see the loaded significance that mark peppers throughout the, the the whole gospel that we see here that what is happening in this moment is far bigger than just this moment and it both collects the past in this fulfillment uh, happened in a day in hand it it, it did actually happen but yet yeah, is the beginning of what comes next. So I I,
1: yeah.
3: I, I love the accessibleness, but I, I am interested in the thing behind the thing behind the thing, which that's gosh. amazing,
2: amazing. I, I want to clear up something just briefly. We we don't necessarily want to get into huge theological detail here, but you're saying that it's not, it's not necessarily um, a text that's just been dictated from heaven. Um, that there's an author as well behind this is that is that what you're saying that he's got um, he's got an agenda there's a controlling influence in some degree in some degree
3: yeah uh, certainly there, there there is there is a scribe uh, which we read and we credit that to mark john mark but there there is certainly a bigger story that's being told and the story is bigger than the author themselves uh, sure
2: sure the, i like the way you put it down
3: it is the story of what god was doing it is the story of what god is doing and it is the story of what god will be doing so uh it, it's it's far but it's, it's like a, it's like a painting you you can look at it at a glance and you can assume that you've seen the picture or you yeah can look again and see oh i didn't see that i didn't notice that I didn't know that. yeah there's, there's a lot more going on um and there's a timelessness to it so yeah there's a scribe but there's a there's a far bigger author and a far bigger story um, and the invitation that's is, nicely put is, is,
2: is to lean in more. so yeah that's I, nicely put i mean i love the way you said earlier about leaning in leaning in to look more closely a bit like that that piece of art you just mentioned and you noticing new and more interesting details as you do that um and you were saying earlier about how mark leaves things not Vague for the sake of it, but actually there's an invitation, isn't there, to to look more closely,
3: yes. to examine. Yes, and we can even look at the vagueness, and we can we can look at it from a, from a critical perspective and say, was he in a hurry? Because some would say he's in a hurry; he just wants to get to. <laughs> and, and, and and I understand that, but you can say, or, or was it deliberate? Uh, is because when when everything is revealed. There's no sense of revelation therefore it lacks some of the wonder there is no mystery if you've seen a movie and someone's already told you how the story's going to go and how it's going to end it's not as captivating and i think mark is written in a way where it's not vague for the sake of being annoyingly over edited i think it's deliberately leaving gaps for us to uh, for, for what's meant to intrigue us to bubble water. yeah uh and, and to look further. So I would say it's, it's brilliant in that, that. That's why we watch the same thing again or read the same book again, because I didn't see this. I didn't learn this. Uh, yeah. Obvious is very rarely as beautiful as Sutton.
2: So one podcast episode isn't going to cover
3: it, is it? No, no. I mean, we're talking here on the, in, in the big sense in, uh, of, of the whole book. But even in this short passage, which is short, yeah. your clip, which you brought to life so well, uh, is it, less than one minute long. Yeah. And uh, and there's so much going on. It, yeah. Th- there's so much. It, it triggers far more questions than, than than answers. But like I say, if you want to, you can just, you know, you can have the one minute version or you can have so much more.
2: So. We have just entertained ourselves with this amazing story about the, the philosophy of reading a text like this. Uh, we haven't even got down to the details yet, although, to be fair, you did mention uh, at that time, you did say that that phrase yes. has a particular significance yes. for those who are, who are in the know, as it were.
3: Yes, yeah, and in, in many ways, it, it is Mark writing with that sense of what we've been waiting for is being fulfilled yeah. and the story of of jesus revealing himself begins subtle in all the gospels and, and it becomes less subtle as, as it goes on to the end where jesus is being more more blatant which is fitting of something being revealed if you were had something concealed of a blanket over and you were you were pulling it off you wouldn't pull it off quickly there is this slow can you guess what it is can you see what it is there is this yeah, picture yeah where jesus is is revealing so here we are mark one and uh, the hint is there what we've been waiting for is coming to pass in this moment um and the revelation is becoming increasingly clear as we read on in, in all of the book
2: so i've got so many questions to ask you i mean the title of this podcast is obviously question mark and I'll be honest, even though I know this text back to front, literally, because I've had to perform it, there are always going to be things in my mind, what did he mean by that exactly? So I'll tell you what we'll do, Adam, we'll we'll take a a short interlude right now and um, listen to some music. Um, But after we come back, let's talk about some of the nitty gritty, shall we? Is that okay?
3: let's do that.
2: Fantastic. So um, it's been brilliant so far. Thank you so much. You've really set up not only this podcast, but all the podcasts as far as I'm concerned with that wonderful introduction to Mark. What I would like to do now, though, is introduce my good friend Neil Maddock, who's going to be singing another of his fabulous songs. And this one's called Sunrise.
1: sometimes all that I can see. And the rain falls down my window pane. The forecast is bleak until I hear joy so I can not sing overcoming everything all because the love lights
2: my life Welcome back everyone to the second part of this podcast question mark episode two today I have Adam Cluer the mighty Adam Clower from Boston in the USA, and he is talking with me about Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, verses 8 down to verse 13. Adam, we had a great chat earlier on, didn't we, about, you know, how Mark leaves things open, and I guess this passage above any other that I can think of, actually, does precisely that, because each verse is just rich with meaning. And yeah. there's so much going on, and it's worth looking at them, I think, personally, bit by bit, because otherwise we might miss stuff. Now, we've only got a short time, but should we give it a go and see what, see what we come up with?
3: Yeah, let's, let's see what we find. Let's see what we find.
2: Brilliant. So uh, what I'll do then is I'll read the first verse of that passage that Lucy just read out for us, and uh, let's see what you, you make of it. Anything that comes up, let me know. Okay, yeah. here it goes. At that time jesus came from nazareth in galilee and was
3: baptized by john in the jordan any thoughts again it's loaded isn't it there's so much again you can read it in the swift sense that it's written or you can consider there's so much going on behind the scenes and under the surface of the words. so even at the beginning at that time for those that have read the Bible up to this point, there has been this long-awaited moment where God would step in, and Mark is announcing at that time. He's wow. he's placing that promise in this moment, yeah. and then he brings this, what for us we just read as this interesting detail, oh, he came from Nazareth. Uh, for us, that's interesting. For the people in the day, because we need to always remember the scripture was, was lived out in the context and cultural setting of the day yeah that would have meant so much more to them than us because for them nazareth was a place that had no meaning or promise for those that that knew the ancient scriptures and studied these prophecies there were places that were respected and expected that something special would happen there and nazareth wasn't one of those places so there is this curious huh kind of moment (laughs) Where for us, we're like, thank you, that's that's interesting. Steph from yeah. Southampton, Adam from Boston, having a conversation, Jesus from Nazareth. But for them, there's that sense of, really? There is this mystery uh, which is surprising and wonderful at the same time that God is doing something remarkable and maybe it's coming in a direction you didn't expect. And so maybe it would be on tenterhooks,
2: is that what you're saying? At this point, just mentioning that word Nazareth is gonna get them all thinking,
3: What? What's going on? Yeah, possibly even dismissive in terms of, no, that that can't be right. Uh, Because we need to remember that Jesus was fulfilling what was promised, but many of the people didn't see it. Their expectation is, no, that can't be right. Nazareth would have been in keeping with those references of, no, that, that doesn't fit the mold that we have for what it will look like in this moment. And Jesus is continually breaking the mold. And this is another one of those instances where their expectations were not fitting the framework as we see the continued revelation can you remind us all you know what exactly were they hoping
2: for or rather what was promised what was the promise you're talking about
3: there was the promise that that god would step in that god would be the messiah the coming king the one that they had been waited for Uh, Their expectation was that that would be outworked in a sense of revolution against the authorities and the empire that was bringing restraint for them, i.e. Rome. There was also a huge sense of religious control. So they were praying for liberation, but were expecting liberation to look like so many other moments that had been introduced as liberation they were expecting war and conflict mm. and ultimately triumph with them being on the winning side. Mm. But Jesus is bringing a very different sense uh, of revolution where he's bringing a kingdom of God which is this continued teaching which basically means the rule and the reign of God the way it was meant to be and the way that we know by looking around us that it isn't at the moment uh, and this isn't about military might or who's got the most power armies or money this is a different better kind of kingdom which for us we we celebrate but for those people in that day that was not their expectations and in many ways nazareth just continues to fit with their expectations not being met yeah because of the way they had determined that they must be fulfilled
2: yeah wow that's maybe a lesson for us all isn't it about you know having expectations of what god's like or what he's going to do actually it's <laughs> not
3: always like that <laughs> no no so so often uh, it isn't but often it's better yes so i think we there's a lesson for all of us in, in this and this is a, this is huge but yeah personal as well yeah. we need to be open to the god that can take us by surprise
2: let's go for another verse shall we i mean that's brilliant what you've said so far but this next bit i must admit it just fills me with awe just to think about it and i'm and yet there's so much that's kind of unexplained so as jesus was coming up out of the water he saw heaven being torn open and yeah. the spirit descending on him like a dove i mean it's yeah. easy just to rush through and not dwell on it but that, that that that's amazing isn't it you know what what
3: are your thoughts there Baptism is the beginning for many people of their their walk with God. There is this washing, this ending, this cleansing, and this new beginning. There is this going down and there is this coming up. So it's interesting that this fits at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. This is not something that happens later. This is a beginning. This is a springboard. And for many people like ourselves who have been baptized, it is something of a springboard moment the language that mark uses is again uh, brief but loaded he saw heaven being torn open i don't think i believe the other gospel writers don't use such descriptive language the tearing open of heaven
1: yeah.
3: mark is quite possibly referencing this old testament prophecy isaiah where the prophet says oh, when and if you would rend the heavens and come down, is if the heavens would be torn open and God would come down. And there's this moment of Jesus' baptism where it looks like that's happening. It looks like heaven is being torn open, which sounds violent. Yeah. And the spirit is like a dove, which is uh, fragile and gentle and beautiful.
1: Yeah.
3: And I, I love and celebrate both sides of god's wow. can expression. i get my head around help me get my head around
2: this idea of tearing open are we talking about the sky kind of just parting or is there something else going on here you know maybe we're talking about something altogether different
3: we we don't know is, okay. is, one of you, is <laughs> because we, we we weren't there and we didn't see it but i, I think there's some interesting similarities later on much later on uh, when jesus gives his life on the cross there is this tearing open of the curtain in the temple and the curtain in the temple represented something of a shield between god and people right the two couldn't connect fully mm. but because of the death and resurrection of jesus there is this tearing open so for me, I see some similarity that in this moment, and this is what it means for you and me, in this moment, the God that we sometimes assume is distant, is far away. The restriction is being torn open. yeah, And the God who is great and mighty and is the creator of the universe is present. Wow. And the restriction is being moved and torn wow. to one side. So and- you say, you're saying that's for us now, that from that moment, there's this restriction that has kind of ceased. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that, that that's, my, that's my belief, that's my theology, and that's also my personal experience and understanding. Oh, wow. That unlike so many other religions where we have to behave in a certain way and do certain things to win approval, the continued story of, of Jesus and the story of, of Scripture is that this God is not absent, but yeah, he's present. And the restrictions... That distance us maybe they are being torn open maybe they are being removed uh jesus is introduced as emmanuel god with us not god somewhere else but god present and the story of jesus onwards uh is is relational he's he's always with people and the teaching and the miracles everything this god is not distant this god is close close up that's amazing adam i'll
2: tell you what what i'm going to do is read the next verse and then i'm going to ask you A question which I guess has been puzzling theologians for centuries, so I'm not necessarily (laughs) expecting you to come up with the answer, but I guess the question I'm going to ask, and and I'll tell you now in advance, the question I'm going to ask is, what on earth is going on here? Because it it seems like something really magnificent, unbelievably mysterious is going on. And yet, you know, it seems to be significant, but what? What is it? So the next verse, in fact, if I read the whole thing, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending in on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Okay, why? What?
3: Tell us. We talked about the baptism, the heaven being torn open. The God who isn't distant, we, we hear or we recall and read of his voice and what he said. This is my son in whom I love. So Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the one that all of humanity had been waiting for.
2: Yeah.
3: And God affirms that. God says that. God says it in a personal way. And for us as later readers, we can read it uh, and it can speak to us too. I love this. I and this is a characteristic that we see in other elements and areas of scripture, God affirms Jesus for who he is before he has achieved what he's about to do. Sure. It's after this moment we read of healings and deliverance and incredible teaching and miracles. So many miracles John writes at the end of his gospel, if they were all recorded, there might not be enough books our tendency, especially in Western culture, is to affirm someone on the strength of their performance, on the strength of their achievement, their their academic or their work or their skill or their talent. We see something and we affirm it after we've seen something good. God affirms Jesus before that. What a a loving father uh, to affirm for who we are first and for what we do in an almost se- certainly second
2: are you saying just just get you right here you're saying what G- what god thinks about jesus clearly you're right he hasn't done anything yeah and yet god is well pleased with him yeah
0: yes god, god is, loves god is-
2: him unconditionally
3: you saying all of that applies to us yeah this is not the only time we see this in in the old testament there's a story of a person called gideon and we don't know a lot about gideon other than he doesn't believe in himself he has a low self-esteem he describes himself from a clan that is weak and from a family that's never achieved anything and many of us can connect with some of those references already and god appears to him and calls him a white it calls him a mighty warrior and says you're this and you're this and you're this, which is entirely untrue because, <laughs> because he isn't. Uh, but God is speaking to him in terms of who he will be, yeah. not, not who he has been so far.
1: Yeah.
3: I see the consistency here that God doesn't see us just for the story so far, but there is the seed of potential and the promise inside us. Uh That takes us forward into who we could be we aren't restricted any more than we are only affirmed on our achievements Uh, i love i love that because i can connect with gideon's story uh, and we see that consistently here and from a parenting perspective how wonderful to be affirmed for who we are yes before we've done anything absolutely that gives us the confidence to grow
2: to grow and go forward and and to know that always we're never we're never gonna be falling out of favor with our with our heavenly father.
3: Yeah, yeah, that no, is brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, we, we need that. We all need that.
2: Absolutely. That's really wonderful. And then at once the spirit sent him out into the desert I I have to stop you there I guess I'm Wow. okay what you know I mean first of all it's clear it's it's clear God's involved God's sending him out into an inhospitable place I, I would have thought that if he's met with Jesus in this way it would have seemed appropriate for Jesus to start working as it were straight away and doing all the miracles you you mentioned, but instead he's sending him out into the desert. And and it says he was in the desert for 40 days and he's and he was being tempted by Satan. Can can you explain any of this?
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. We this this wouldn't be the script if we were to order no. the next six weeks of our lives, we wouldn't be praying for a similar experience to this. I say six weeks. I remember working out that forty days was six weeks, and I remember when I was young and at school, six weeks holidays felt like they would last forever. And teachers may connect it similarly. Forty days is a long time.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, it's interesting that this is where he goes next. We again, we we wonder and we listen and we learn and we marvel at Scripture. We can't always give precise answers. Yeah. For me. I imagine it like this. The, the wilderness or the desert represents uh, tough places, dry seasons, where things aren't necessarily easy. And I think if Jesus was never in those places, in some ways he wouldn't understand what it was like to live through them. And for many people, even, even today, even in, in our, our world, and our historical moment of plenty, as we, as we very much enjoy times when we can feel us feel like life is a desert like we're in the wilderness Mm. it may be that we're directionless in a career or it may be that we've had relational breakdown and heartache and we're feeling alone and we're feeling broken and we don't know what's next and for many of us that that would be our experience of the wilderness Mm. those, those desert times i I like that when God appears in human form, when he walks in flesh and blood in the person of Jesus, he doesn't just experience the banquets, the feasts and the parties. Now I would love a life just of those good moments, but we suffer and we experience brokenness. And sometimes we can't give answers to everything and it feels like a desert wilderness experience. And it encourages me that Jesus knows what that's like. Yeah. It encourages me that that I don't experience things that that He doesn't know what it's like. But He walked in similar moments uh, of loneliness and desert.
2: So you're you're really emphasising that idea of God with us, aren't you? That He's yeah, I think, in all sorts of ways.
3: It is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I, I mean, there, there is. The mystery of the temptation and the Satan is introduced again. Mark introduces this significant character in a very low key way. He's not overemphasizing the power of evil, the person of the Satan. He's just saying, Oh, by the way, the Satan was there. Yeah, but not making a big deal, as in this is yeah. not something to be excessively fearful of. He's saying that evil is there and often around us and for some people the presence of evil means that there cannot be a god because look how can there be such suffering but mark is quite able to turn around and say there is evil but there is also god but we don't need to be afraid of the satan yeah because you can be tempted and be stray, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to deviate and make all of the mistakes and fall into all of the traps and jesus here is in a wilderness, and the Satan is nearby. Yeah. But but the Satan doesn't win. Yeah. That's, that's not where this story is leading. I, mean, I like the idea of winning or not winning,
2: because I think, for me, as i perform performed this, I do detect this kind of theme running through of Jesus having to battle against Satan, but in a, in a good way, almost like liberating people from... The clutches of evil, or yes. or disease, or or all sorts of stuff that's been foisted upon them, yes. and here he's having a battle with him again with Satan with evil. Yes. Um, so it kind of, for me, it kind of, it's a, it's a, it's the start of a theme, if you like,
3: yes. running yes, through it's... the gospel. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think it is, and I think some people, some Christians can can look at the. Idea: the theme of the battle with Satan, and for some it can be quite dominant, almost as if God is underdog and this is a challenge. The other extreme is to ignore any presence of of evil at all, which I think is is equally too simplistic. Mm. Even today, you can't watch the news for long to see that there still is the evidence of evil in the world. Um, But take heart, I've overcome the world. Yes. So it's possible to be present to to have sorrow, empathy, empathy and mournful for, for what is wrong. Yeah. To introduce a different kingdom, a better kingdom. Right.
2: And this kingdom is going to prevail. I mean, Jesus, as it were, is on the winning side. And yes. We haven't seen it completed yet, but this, this gospel is all about announcing.
3: Yes. The beginning of that, isn't it? That's, that's exactly So even here, we don't hear that Jesus is in trouble. No. Uh he's not wounded. He's not fearful. He's not on the ropes. Jesus is persevering through this wilderness experience and the Holy Spirit is with him. This incredible, mysterious language, angels attended to him. Yeah. Who who knows what that looks like? Uh I'm okay with not being able to answer all of those all of those <laughs> ideas, but it's 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 a wonderful picture that's been painted.
2: I've got to ask you about the wild animals. So here's here's the choice, I, as I understand it. There may be other choices. Either the wild animals are around and they're ferocious and they're horrible, but they don't harm Jesus because he's Jesus. Yeah. Or they're wild animals that were ferocious and horrible, but because he's Jesus, he kind of, he, he tames them. So it's almost like, as some people have said, it's like a return to Eden when we didn't have savagery and ferociousness and violence. You are gonna choose one of those?
3: I don't think it's a return to evil. I don't think suddenly all the lions have lost their teeth. I don't think that's going on. But I I think it's possible to be, and at times we can feel like we're surrounded by things that could go terribly wrong. We may not be surrounded by wild animals, but it may be economic uncertainty, employment, that's not stable or other things that really harm us if they all bit at the same time we're going to have some bruises here and I think sometimes we'd like to pray that they would all not exist but they do yeah they just do and the idea that if you love and follow Jesus you can pray that all of these bad things will stop um, we've tried that prayer it didn't work yeah. I think it's possible that they're around us, but they don't have to necessarily destroy us. And that doesn't mean we should be silly. We shouldn't, you know, shouldn't put our hand in the in the lion's mouth, yeah, and then complain that, you know, that we got we got bit. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, we're not praying that they would all go away because, yeah, there's all sorts of wild animals. I love it. That's how I, I see
2: it. I'm minded to think back to what you said at the beginning about the fact this was written for a particular group of people at a particular time and the way they would have thought about this. I'm I'm just reminded actually of um, the idea of wild animals that for the first Christians, actually, that would have been really quite literally relevant. I mean, some of them were being fed to the the wild animals. But here in this case, Jesus is attended by angels. So... There's almost a sense in which there's a kind of message directed to the, the first hearers, I wonder. You know, you know, when you're with the wild animals, which you may well be, because you have a faith which the Romans don't like and they will persecute you. Yes. Now, don't despair. The, this is not the end of the story. Here is an example. Jesus himself had angels attending him
3: at yes. that point. Yes, yes. Yeah, that sense of supernatural protection which we don't fully know if we have it or if we don't have it. <laughs> There's times when we've, we've had moments where we said, God, where were you when that happened? But we don't know if there were multiple other times where something terrible would have happened to us, wow. but, we, but we were prevented from it. Um, we live in that, that mystery where I believe that the God who is present uh, can and does intervene. And most of the time, we may not know about it. I, I like that, I'm okay with that. I, I think that's wonderful. And here we've got this mysterious, but beautiful language that angels were attending to him. Uh, but the wild animals still exist and the wilderness still exists and the desert still exists, but they don't have to be dominant in our story and they don't have to restrict the potential of the chapters that you will lead into. And I think that that works for Mark's gospel. And I think that works for, for our lives today, that the experiences, the unanswerable questions and the moments where the desert and the dangers feel dominant, they don't have to set the framework for what tomorrow looks like for any of us. Brilliant, Adam, that's a wonderful
2: message of hope on which to end. Thank you ever so much for all your <coughs> fantastic thoughts on this, I'm sure. It's helped me. I'm sure it'll help many others as well. Thank you again. Thanks for having Lovely me. to see you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Question Mark, there is plenty more to come. Join us and our special guests next time where we'll continue to explore the greatest story ever told together. If you want to get involved with the podcast or have any questions or comments in the meantime, please do get in touch using the I Am Mark social media channels. We'd love to hear from you.
1: We light it up, we won't come down And the sun can't stop us now Watching it come true, it's taking over you This is the greatest show Where it's covered in all the coloured lights And the runaways are running the night Impossible comes true, it's taking over you This is the greatest show